let's be poly was so easy for us because we decided we were divorce proof. It gave us more leverage and leeway to tell each other the truth. A lot of times people are holding back their authentic self because they feel like their partner will leave them. So just us saying we are divorce proof gave us an open door to share our experiences. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, my loves. Back at it with another episode of That Sex Chick. Kenya K. Stevens has been coaching couples for 17 years. Alongside her husband, Carl, together they can divorce proof any, all caps, any marriage, no matter how bad things have become. It's a big, bold statement. Kenya is the CEO at Progressive Love Academy and author of Up Level Communication, Nine Expressions of Love, and Change Your Man. Kenya lives in Houston, Texas, a fellow Texan over here with both of her husbands and families currently taking clients all over the world. Before I hit record here, I made sure to have my notebook and my pen handy because y'all know I'm a newlywed. I think I I can say that for the first full year, if I'm not mistaken. So I, you know, y'all know Jordan and I got married at the end of 2021 on Halloween weekend. And so when I see divorce proof, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're in that, you know, our next round of the honeymoon phase, even though that comes with its own crunchiness, but you know, we're newlyweds and we're all in. And so any additional information that we can get onset of this journey that we're on is really amazing and exciting. Like, oh, let's learn these ways that we can divorce proof our marriage while we're still super duper into each other. And communication is going pretty well. And our lives look relatively clear at this point in time without little humans running around and career twists and turns and all of the things that can happen in a life. So I am beyond thrilled to bring on Kenya to the show. Kenya, thank you for sharing your magic with us today. Absolutely. This is fun. I'm excited for you on your journey too in marriage. Yes, me too. I am too. Now, my my mother, and I'm from South Louisiana, deep South Louisiana, and then my husband and I choose Austin as home now, which still feels like Austin kind of reminds me if if New Orleans was like a crazy aunt, <laughs> Austin's like her niece. That's like teach me your ways. It kind of feels like like we're we're weird here, but we're not like New Orleans weird. <laughs> Two different kind of weirds. I understand. I've been to both places. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But this conversation that we're going to have today, um, I'm ready to take notes and I encourage any of the listeners to take notes as well because I'm not looking to take a whole page of like, what did Kenya say? It's like the nugget. You know what Uh I mean? Like what's the nugget that I then put my headphones down and I run downstairs and I go, Jordan, here we go. This is our next new thing. So um, now I would love to hear the highlight reel of sorts of how you found your way to doing this big work in the world. 
Absolutely. Well, I think that when I married at age 21, I was not prepared for marriage. But as if that weren't bad enough, by age 23, I developed uterine cancer. Mm. So I had just had my first child. He was a boy. And two weeks later, I found out that you're still pregnant. No, I'm not. But it was I was I had the uterine concern. So I had to get treated. I had the chemotherapy. Everything did not work. The numbers kept going up. They measure that by beta HCG. Uh, and it goes up or comes down with the change. So it kept going up with the chemo. And I just really did have an epiphany. I really did go into meditation and a ceremony of sorts. And I found out that I needed to change my ways. I needed to clear a lot of trauma that I've been through. And I needed to uh, focus on this now, whereas some adults can wait to their 30s or 40s. They said, no, you cannot wait. <laughs> and the biggest problem was I didn't want to be female. I felt um, they said, well, you're not vulnerable, you're controlling, you are angry, you are all of these things, and you're not going to be able to do that. (laughs) It's just you have to discover your feminine power. And all they wanted me to do was say, yes, I would do it. And yes, I would share it with the world. And here I am (laughs) 30 years later, having done that work and said yes to that it started to just pour in all the downloads, everything I needed to construct a relationship universe of tools and processes and that we've done. And then that has equated to, I think I was reading somewhere that your husband's written 13 books. Yes, we've written 13 books, three together, three together. one of my own, and then the rest he's written by himself. Yeah, he's a very good writer. Prolific. Wild. Wild and amazing. Yes. Okay. So some of the subject matter of those 13 or so books, what are they? Well, you know, we start out, it it all downloaded at, at different times, but we started out with the archetypes. I think the archetypes support us in America and Western cultures. We have an issue with, oh, is there just male and female? Indigenous cultures never have believed that there's just male and female, not ever. It depended on your clan. Your clan told us your archetype. So that's more similar to astrology. So if you were born a Leo or if you were born a Taurus, that's more how they associated your quote unquote gender. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) the archetypes that we started to download came, uh, you know, they, they, they helped us to recraft our idea of what is a man and what is a woman. We realized that there's more like nine genders. <laughs> and, and so we wrote about that in our first book, the Bagua character map. Wow. I love that. Well, there are times when I for sure feel more Leo than I feel female. <laughs> And me, I'm born with no feminine archetypes. I'm two warriors and a monk. A monk is androgynous. Warriors are bright daylight masculine. So I I don't have any natal femininity. And I wouldn't be expected to do the things that we expect females to do in our culture. I would be expected to be a warrior or a monk, you know, discovering new technologies, spiritual technologies. Wow, that's beautiful and fascinating. And now I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, what am I? I don't wonder where I want. I need to get the book. I need to figure out what my uh, my archetype is. Um, so that's just one of the downloads. You said that then wound up turning into a book. What are some of the other uh, topics? 
Yeah. So after we discovered, you know, this whole new system of equating ourselves in terms of gender, the next thing we discovered was that, wow, there's a math to this. If I relate this way, you're going to have an equal and opposite reaction. So that's how we really started formulating our relationship tools. Um, We wrote a book called Change Your Man. That's how to change your inner man, you know, or um, um, tame your woman for men, how to tame their inner woman so that they can show up in masculinity if they so choose, even if that's not their natal whatever, if they want to. For me, I wanted to learn femininity because I knew it saved my life. I knew that I was killing my womb, killing my breast, killing my, 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 my female parts by being so fiery and masculine. So I had to study, you understand, our ancestors did not intend for us to know our sign and then just act like our sign. Our sign is just a roadblock. And they say, oh, it's just a road marker. And we say, oh, but we are really infinite. So we want to learn all these other skills. So I'm born with these strong traits, but I get to learn these traits that are not as strong in me. Yeah, (laughs) that hits for sure. That hits for sure. I would say it's probably around 30 or so where I was like, now I, I value all this bold strength and the masculine, the fire and all of that. And, and my listeners have heard me describe it so many times in my chart. It's all, if, if I would just want to go to elements, uh, earth and fire, earth and fire, earth and fire, earth and fire, just kind of all over the place. Um, and so somewhere around 30 is when I thought, for the first time, I think I might want to be a mother because for my whole twenties, I was like, absolutely not. I just, children would come around me and I'm like, nope, get them away. Can't do it. Not doing it. This is not in my path. Even told my mom, make sure to enjoy my nieces, my sister's kids. Cause I'm not going to do it. And then it was right around 30 that I thought, I think I'm choosing this based off of fear. And if that's the only reason why I'm saying no, then I'm more interested in looking at the fear and what's underneath it and possibly and making that decision from an empowered place. If that's really after digging into that, if that's what comes up is that it's really not right for me, then, okay, I'm going to move through the world with that being an empowered decision. And if I look underneath that and it's, I'm just afraid of being my mom, which I realized at the beginning of the show, when I first started talking, I was going to mention that my mom's been married five times. Oh my that goodness. was the piece that I missed saying, I'm like, wow, I was I talking about New Orleans and my mom and I love her so much. She's episode one of my show and she's an incredible example of finding love after 50, lasting love after 50. So she's 65, 66. And this has been her longest relationship of her life and longest marriage. And all of that is like from 50 on. And so, um, yeah, just like not wanting to do it the way that she did it and just like bearing down on that and then realizing, oh, well, that's not a great reason to make this decision. And then what does this actually mean for me? If I'm going to entertain this idea and see what's real, what does it mean? And so you sharing all of those things is so relevant. I could feel just like the tingles in my body. I'm like, she's, she's saying some truth here for for sure. So now I'm leaning into like, how do I, how do I experience more of my feminine essence to in a sense, heal my body? It's like, you're saying I've had some of the ovarian cysts, um, uh, all kind like, well, I mean, at one point I had uh, my gallbladder removed when I was a teenager. And so just ovarian cysts as I've gotten older. And so just like issues there and yeah, I, it definitely resonates. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I imagine these things are tools that have now been leveraged and utilized in some of the bigger picture work that yes. y'all do. Absolutely. Yeah. So we leap from archetypes into how to do the mathematics of the archetypes, you know, into how to grow the archetypes that are not as strong in you because that's the purpose of your life to go beyond your comfort zone. Yes. To go beyond your astrological sign and to become the infinite being that you are. You understand that's the video game here. That's the play. (laughs) So (laughs) we did that. We started to go deeper and deeper. We've developed tools for communication, for instance. Um, Our communication tool, up-level communication, this is like change your life brain surgery. If you do it, you immediately exit yourself out of the Western format for language. Language shapes who we are. Language shapes how we feel about who we are. You can, if you're using this, if you're using the language in the same way as the predominant culture, then you're going to feel how they want you to feel about yourself and about others. So we had to, you know, we had to dig in with language next because now that we knew who we were archetypically, but how do we relate? (laughs) How do we have a different kind of conversation beyond the language of war? You know, coming at each other, back and forth, defensiveness. These were the things that were killing our marriage. So every tool we developed saved our marriage again and over again and over again. Yeah. So it sounds like by in real life trial and error. Oh, yes, girl. It was. <laughs> oh. And you know what? That's funny because we developed the up level communication system after we started moving into polyamory. So my husband and I have been married 26 years, but currently we are polyamorous. We did that at year 12. We made that transition and it was a hard transition. So had to get busy building more tools and up-level was one of those tools. Yes. <laughs> I, so I am certain that the listeners of the show are, are wait, back up, married 26 years. And 12 years in, decided to become poly. Okay, so before I go down that road, because I'm certain that the question is about being polyamorous and being in a marriage. And so, and there's more to the story is going to take us in that direction. I want to circle back on divorce-proof marriage because I imagine that was something that, well, I don't know, you can tell me, did, did that concept in the way that you think about it, did that come before transitioning your relationship? Oh, yes. From yeah. day one, we decided we didn't believe in divorce. Before we walked down the aisle, I met my husband. And three days later, I told him I knew he was my husband. And that scared him. And I said, well, don't be scared. If you are scared, though, we can just be friends. Like, it's either you're going to understand that I get spiritual hits. You understand? Since I was 14, I've been getting spiritual hits. I know that the spirit is speaking to me, not my ego, not my animal, but my higher self. And so I knew he was my husband. (laughs) Besides that, I had been to the river doing rituals and every Friday, like putting honey in the water and oranges to Oshun and Venus. So I knew he was on the way and I met him on a Friday. So I said, oh, here, here he is. But I, 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 you know, we got married a year to the date that we met. We got engaged eight weeks after we met. And I told him, I don't believe in divorce. I'm here to start a new paradigm where divorce is not even a possibility. And he was in agreement with that. Mm-hmm. So that's where divorce proof marriage started 1995. <laughs> and the sentiment, you know, for Jordan and I, that's my, my husband, we, I mean, from the beginning was, this is an all in relationship. So I feel like this is a, our v- variation of it where we often, it, it's like, 
all in, all in the end, you know, like that, that, that's it. This is the container that we have and out is not an option. So these are things that we say to each other pretty frequently where if out is not an option, then what are all the other things that we consider? Because so many relationships, I think they get into a cycle of whatever their cycle is and whatever it looks like. And I mean, even Jordan and I have our own unique kind of cycle where I'm like, oh, well, here we are again. Fancy that. I, I don't know why I thought like the person who I was just going to skip off into the sunset with this time around was just not going to trigger me in the same way, or I wasn't going to do this, you know, the sacred, the sacred mirror situation. And, and lo and behold, we just create our own variation of it. And our traumas or triggers are perfectly matched for each other. And he's my greatest teacher and yada, yada, yada. And so I'm like, okay, well, if out is not an option, then what are, what is everything else that we consider? So it sounds like a, you know, more or less like our variation, but is your divorce proof marriage concept or the way that you work it or teach it to people? Is there more really to it that you have them, you know, focus and put into their foundation before they go exploring and doing other things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of the tools that we've developed go into a divorce proof marriage. And I really am happy for the first 12 years that he and I had together in a monogamous marriage where we got to explore what that meant and build those tools. And, you know, because it was hard to keep stay together. (laughs) I was taking my ring off, throwing my ring at him. We were having all types of fights. You know, it was we had three children. In that time, you understand, we it was really challenging. And I see why people jump out of marriages. Then when you hit the seven-year hump, the 14-year hump, and you don't have the same passion, when passion wanes, you're ready to go because you cannot live without, without passion and attention and desire and that twee energy. So when that stuff started to happen, yeah, we developed our suite of tools and we utilized them, uh, you know, until we got to a place where it was, we were ready for the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just imagine like you taking the ring and going to throw it. And that's, that's, I think so many couples do do that. Or it's <laughs> like when the, something doesn't happen and this thing, we're here again, right. then you know what? I'm just going to go. Right. Instead of really that's- truly, because I, I mean, I think that so many people are just limited in what they, w- limited in their tools, which is why. Limited in their tools. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness for people like you and your family that have been uh, going through it. And then yeah. the not so easy part of tracking. Yes. <laughs> wow. We did this. Then we did that. And then just kidding. That one, that was fucked. We're not going to do that again. We're gonna try this next time. You know, we're like, oh, wow. It looks like we processed this in 72 hours this time instead of a week. High five. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the work. You know, I think that a lot of people talk about the work. And I I don't know that they are doing it methodically, you understand? And regularly, uh, the work is a ritual that must be done consistently. So that is what we really instill in our clients. Our favorite place to shop for crystal, glass, and metal toys is Yoni Pleasure Palace. Sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G-spot massagers. And something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with are plush, velvety, waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, 
When you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough. To add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code THATSEXCHICK, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. The ritual that you speak of, how else would you describe that? Or what com- what goes into that? Into the... You say you treat this like a ritual. Is there Are there actual ritualistic components? Yes, there are ritualistic components in our methodologies. One of them, for instance, is lacing or tantric lacing. Oh, so one of the tools we developed is called lacing, and it literally finds the root cause. Uh, there's usually a nuclei, and it has all of these arrows shooting out of it of all of your conditionings, but they come from one powerful nuclei. And so when you find that nucleus, not nuclei, because that's plural, but when you find that nucleus, you can actually invade the nucleus and blow it up instead of having it grow all these shards. Now you're cutting down the bushes. It grows back. Now you're cutting down the bushes because you're never dealing with the root. And so we have a ceremony that you can do during sex, or you can do it in a regular meditative state wherein you are dealing with that nucleus and that's a lacing ritual. So yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you said ritual, I'm like, I have to know what are some of these components, you know, because ritual has its own uh, meaning for us now and the different, the different things that we go into with regards to ritual. And typically for us, when we say ritual, we do mean sex. Um, oh. But I know that, I know that it's different for, for everybody. But when I hear ritual, I also think sacredness and I think deep intention and presence and use the word tantra, which more or less encapsulates like that deep presence. Um, yeah, it's really special. Okay. So they've been waiting 20 minutes for me to ask this question. (laughs) (laughs) So what went into the decision? Let's be Polly. Oh, let's be Polly was so easy for us because, you know, because we decided we were divorce proof, it gave us more leverage and leeway to tell each other the truth. A lot of times people are holding back their authentic self because they feel like their partner will leave them. So just us saying we are divorce proof gave us an open door to share our experiences. So I would share with my husband at year four when I was pregnant with my daughter that I hugged a man that I was familiar with in my community. We were painting at night, painting a school for the kids. And I hugged him goodbye and I had a full body orgasm. (laughs) From that night on, I kept dreaming about him and would have orgasm in the dream. And then I would be like waking up like, oh my God, I just, I, 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 I fell in love with this man. Then I saw our past life and I saw that we were together. And that, and so it was crazy. And so I had to tell my husband, because I couldn't experience it alone. It was, it was too much energy to hold alone. So I had to tell them, we told our marriage counselors, they told us table it, that cannot be dealt with here. This is not what your marriage is about. Like they really shamed me about it. Okay, that's fine. I understand why today. Cause it's, it's shameful. You're not supposed to do that in a marriage. You're just not in a Western traditional marriage. So we tabled that although I had dreams for the next two years. Okay. So now at year 10, 
my husband comes home from work and tells me that he's falling in love with a woman at his job. So, you know, because he had experienced my falling in love, I can, of course, experience his falling in love. And I said, well, tell me about her. Let's go to dinner with her. Let's meet her. Like I was, I was like, it was no problem. So I met her. Everything was cool. In fact, she was so feminine. That was what I was learning. And she already had it, honey. She, she asked him, what is tofu? I've never seen, she was from Africa. So she, from Ghana, she, I've never seen this. What is this food? Tofu. What is tofu? You know, I was like, oh, you need you need a woman who's gonna ask you questions, who don't know nothing, who's like <laughs> really like a lily of the valley, a damsel in distress, you know. So <laughs> I enjoyed watching him in that, but I wasn't ready for Polly. We talked about it for two years after that date. And when I told him I wanted to do it, if he was going to do it, he said no. So we talked back and forth, back and forth until we came to some conclusions. And then we decided to open up our marriage. <sighs> it's so sweet. Uh, so how long would you say how many years of having conversations about the thing before doing the thing? How long do you would you say that process was? Oh, it was two years. Yeah. Two laborious years, because most of those conversations were arguments because we didn't have up level yet. Mm-hmm. So it was like treacherous, you know, it was hard to discuss this, um, uh, this, we didn't know what polyamory was. We didn't know a word, but we were talking about open marriage or whatever. We just didn't have any resources. So it was tough. Yeah. What were some of the common themes? The common theme was he didn't know that women had these desires. He thought that just men had these desires. He didn't know that, um, even though he knew my sex life wasn't everything I wanted. Cause I wanted sex every day. He was only willing three times a week. So <laughs> I was always hungry, always thirsty, always, well, you know, how you're not making love to me. I need more. You know, I was always <laughs> like that, but he didn't think that I would want another man. Like women don't want that. I, I think men are really miseducated about the feminine sex drive because a, for the most part, it's more, it's greater than the masculine sex drive. That's just a generalization, but I just didn't understand why, how he could think that. And then another argument about it was what would the rules be? Well, how, what can we do? What can't we do? Well, why can't we do that? Well, I want, you know, it's just back and forth and back and forth. And what about our kids? What about our family? What if she wants to take you, you know, all of that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard it in so many words, whether it's been in books or listening to it, podcasts or something where it's like, generally speaking, in sexuality, women are fearful that in an infidelity situation, or if they decide to open and it's, you know, and it goes kind of south, that they're more fearful of the man developing an emotional relationship with someone. And he's more fearful of her developing a sexual relationship because he doesn't want to raise another man's kids. And she doesn't want to lose the person who's, you know, the, the patriarch of the family to start a family with someone else where she's left with the kids or the family to herself. Right. Yeah. No way was I going to be a single mother. No way. Yeah. I told yeah. him that too. I said, Mm-mm. and that's, those are the reasons we yeah. had a hard time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think we're taught to protect this thing at all costs. If, even if that the cost is you don't look at your shit, like yes. why you're holding on to certain things in the way that you're holding on to it. So I really, I don't think this type of relationship is for everyone for sure. 
but it is a viable option for many who have this willing, like this, this, uh, growth, this hunger for growth and depth and love and compassion and empathy and, 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 uh, curiosity and all of that. And this is certainly not something that I would have a conversation with someone about real, like realistically have a conversation with someone if they are, um, the word despondent is coming up where they're, they have contempt even in their relationship where they're just like, it is what it is. And we refuse to get divorced, but we barely have sex. And I certainly don't find this person attractive. So how about we open it so that I can get more of what I want. And then maybe I'll be happier here. It's like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> bad idea. Very bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. So the moment or around the time when you decided, okay, let's open up. What did that look like? Was it kind of like stepping like a toe in to the water or was it like belly flop, like cannonball? What did that look like? Well, what we really did because we were developing systems is we decided that you understand we were going to open up our marriage, but it needed to be done in a certain way. So we didn't like the concept of rules. We think rules are for fools. (laughs) We, We like the concept of principles and protocols. So we developed a set of five principles that we could stand on that would be the foundation and base of our marriage. And once we had those principles, then we developed the protocols, which are just ways to practice principles. In our view, protocols are ways to practice principles. They are not like rules where you don't do this because I said so, (laughs) because my ego doesn't want you to do it. You know, (laughs) no, we we never wanted to do rules because one of my first rules, which was very foolish, was, well, no sex in our marital bed. Where is that coming from? Like, there can't be a thousand rules like that. There have to be, you know, we, we, we decided that there had to be a floor. We call it a floor of principles. And then we can practice those principles. So we had to turn that around first. I love that. And so do you encourage people just generally to, you know, how that they find their way? Do you have these particular principles developed or is it something that you encourage each relationship to figure out what their own individual principles are? Oh, no, we have them developed because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. However, if people want to change them, they can, but they're like Dr. Seuss. No shame and no blame. No victims and no villains. No cop-outs and no dropouts. The purpose is growth, the benefit is love, and I create my life. So those are our five, we call them the progressive love tenets. They're our foundational principles. We can always fall back to it. Are we shaming and blaming? Are we acting like the victim or the villain? You understand? Are we popping out or dropping out? So that is more real for us than a thousand rules about what we can or cannot do. I mean, imagine you're in a situation with a new person and you up to this point, you're X amount of years into poly in your marriage. And I don't know, like set, let's say together 12 and then another six go by or four go by. And you're like, hang on, let me get my rule notebook and make sure (laughs) that I'm not about to, oh fuck. I already, I forgot about rule 352. I already got to go make amends on that one. Right. You know, like that's impossible. It is. But people do it. They really believe that rules work. Still going strong over here, y'all. Everyday Dose has helped me transition off of coffee and into more presence, less angst, and more sustainable energy in my life. With a third of the caffeine compared to coffee, this mushroom blend features sun theanine, lion's mane, chaga, and collagen protein. 
and it actually tastes great. Ready to kick coffee with me, but keep the yummy morning Bev? Go to everydaydose.com, code that sex chick for savings at checkout, even if the items you are purchasing are already discounted. Yeah, baby. Everydaydose.com. There's something to it, you know, like somebody says, I, no sex in the marital bed, but then what is that? Okay. So tell me more about that. What does yes. that mean? And then it, yes. that sounds like, okay, well then that's connected to a foundational principle or the floor yes. principle that you, that you said, okay, so that's something that when you're following a protocol to be in alignment with that principle, it just naturally is a no. You're right. <laughs> so we don't have to have the rules. You run it no. through this quick filter. That's exactly. like, I don't know. And I haven't seen the whole layout of it, but I just assume I'm like, okay, it's, this is a sentence and that is a sentence. And right. okay. So here's the, here's the opportunity as it, that it is available. And if yes. I want to be in alignment with my divorce proof marriage, then this is a no. Yes. And it's not against you. It's for me in this, uh, this covenant that I have, or this marriage that I have and this. And so right. it's just, what else do you want? There's so many it's other things. It's the same argument as our country, you know, with all the laws and all these rules and they keep making more and people are fighting against that. It's like, because there's no principles, there's no set and don't say the constitution. (laughs) Those are more rules. There is no governing principles in the United States that bind us together and make us one and make us understand who we are to each other and what we mean as a unit. None. Which is really sad, but I also wonder if some people will go, okay, well, I'm going to poke a bunch of holes in what she just said there, and your principles are an opinion. Yeah, they can't, they should, but then they have to look into our marriage, because <laughs> I'm divorce proof, and we've taken thousands of clients yeah. and divorce proof their marriage, clients on the brink of divorce, yeah. so we're good, we're the best. So the best here's group. your, so it's like, okay, well, as you poke <laughs> the holes, here is our track record. Uh, I'll see you next Tuesday when you decide your opinion was a piece of, you know. It's okay. No, I want their opinion. That would be great. I really yeah. love ego debates. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I like the confidence. <laughs> and also there is a confidence in, yeah, show me something I don't see. Cause obviously I don't see my blind spots. And if you I, can show me something that we haven't, we haven't actually looked at. You know, yes. we haven't debated internally, then that's amazing. You're going to help me make this even better. Right. And add it. I would add it for sure. So what now that you're, you're in it, Polly's the, what been the way for X amount of years. So together 12 and then you said 26. So how many years, Polly? We've been Polly for, okay, 12, 12 is 24. We've been Polly for 14 years. Yeah. So longer Polly than monogamous now at this point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's well, so we started fun. coaching when we were still monogamous. So yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just the, all of it is so fun. You know. I just it's I love when people choose what's right for them. I love. I that's my favorite thing. And like I am, however I can help in whatever conversation that I can have with another person or with you directly that will help you on the path of you're taking each step in the direction that is really right and true for you. And that yes. means, that means tripping and stumbling and, you know, flailing oh, around sometimes a lot of that, times. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you describe your varying relationship dynamics over the 14 years? What did they look like? And then trans, you know, transition into, and then where are they now? 
Well, the first thing that I realized when I went poly is that I was suppressing my sex desire in order to fit into my marriage. Because as soon as I went poly, I was able to really experience anything I wanted with any man. And I realized that I really like a certain type of attention. So I realized then that I was an exhibitionist. And I started going to like play parties. Like my poly wasn't about like, oh my God, let me just get into these relationships. It was like, oh, let's go to play parties. Let's study Tantra. Let's walk around naked at nudist resorts. Let, like these are things that I never knew I wanted to do because I had suppressed it. And I was just thinking, you don't give me enough sex. And, and, and I realized that that argument was completely erroneous. It was not about enough intercourse. It was about a, a, a different type of experience that I literally wanted. So I started having those types of experiences, let's put it that way. And I wasn't shamed for them or, you know, I, I could have done that in monogamy, but I felt like, I wouldn't even start it looking for it if I weren't poly. Like I wouldn't have even had a reason to look for it, you know? So that was the first thing I noticed. Second thing I noticed was there were these different types of relationships that I was having. So we've classified them into the now nine expressions of love because I found that my husband, I loved him, but then I would meet someone else and have a different love for them, like from a different chakra altogether. So I found like the root chakra love, we call it womb choice. When I had a womb choice, I felt like crazy, like tumultuous. Like I wanted to like constantly be riding this man dick. Where is he at? I'm, I'm, I'm a stalker now. Like, like <laughs> you know? so that was a whole different type of relationship for me and my husband, which is a more crown chakra based. We call it crown choice where our sex was more like spiritual, like, oh, tantric and oh, we're healing each other. And that was one thing. But I wanted to experience all of these. And I, I started to know for sure that one man or one woman couldn't be all nine at the same time because that's not the physics of life. And so I said, oh my God, I've made a discovery. I'm a world famous philosopher now. So I wrote a book about it. <laughs> and it was really true. A lot of people resonate with it to this day and, and utilize that mathematical system. <laughs> <sighs> nine what do I have here nine expressions of love yes <laughs> just yeah. can't wait to bring this to to my husband I'm making I'm making a list of the things that I'm going to bring to him and I'm also like kind of crying because I find this also entertaining and I love the way that you tell these stories so because it's just a, so much truth in it you know and hilarity and and the human experience so yes. so that one was a good one because I felt like sometimes that um, um, I expected myself to deliver everything to my husband and I would be upset with him, like squeezing water from a rock when he wouldn't deliver everything to me. And I didn't understand it. I thought it was lack of care Mm -hmm. or lack of love that he wasn't doing it, but really it's just a, 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 a mathematical equation that ours equals this and another person's equals that. And I want all of it. All humans want all of it. We're literally programmed for community. We want community. Yeah. And I think, I think that, um, are you familiar with David Data's work? Yes. Love him. Superior man and all of that. It's like, so my husband does primarily men's work and I think your husband does that too and runs men's circles and experiences and things like that. That's Jordan's gig too. He's like world's biggest hype man. Like he just loves to hype people and be supporter. And, uh, 
he it always feels kind of at loss. Like I, I feel like I have a slew of books and resources and podcasts and things to give to women and couples that come to me, but it feels, he always feels a little like short, like he doesn't have that much to reference when it comes to some of the men's work, except for a small handful where he's like, okay, well, King lover, warrior, magician, and then we have the superior man. And I think he has a couple to a few more that he references. Those are the first two that come to mind. So no, here she goes, she reaches nine expressions of love. So that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm always tracking. Where is there another reference or, oh, he has no more Mr. Nice Guy, Robert Glover. So he's got like a, a, a small handful that he goes to, but this feels really real and true. And I think for so many people, they get really caught up in I'm not enough. And then mm-hmm. the flip side to the I'm not enough is the I'm too much. And so a lot of relationships I experience, the men oftentimes are like, I need to be better. I need to do better. And the women are like, I'm so much that I'm asking for so much. Like I, I, I just wish I could be happy with what I have instead of wanting more. And so this causes, I mean, this causes in my own relationship so much tension and we can see it for what it is while it's happening, but we still don't know what to do with it after. And I think for some of it is just knowing the reality of the situation. Like you simply are this to me. So yeah. how much can I love you for this thing and stop, you know, creating these expectations that you have no understanding or idea that I even have. And they're more or less unconscious for me too. And start, you know, that, that all of a sudden starts uh, driving our train here. And then we're in this, you know, weird position where I'm like, I feel stifled in my expression and you feel like no matter what you do, it's not enough. And that's it's fucking sad. Yeah, divorce proofing a marriage requires nine expressions because uh, uh, that's what divorce proofs a marriage. When you know what your lane is and you embrace that with that partner, uh, uh, you understand? Because then they can't get out of play. You're not... um, you're not expecting the other things and you know that what you have here is good, but you know also that you can get the other things in other ways, even if it's non-sexual humans must, this is like the nine archetypes. We must cultivate in all those areas. And so that's why we want relationships in all those areas. Yeah. A thousand percent. And and you said the piece about community too. So, I mean, you know, for some people we are talking about poly and, and more or less, but there's other, like you're saying, ways to be able to get those various types of love. But so many people that I meet, so many people that find our way, um, find their way even to work with us is when I ask them, that's one of the first things I ask them is tell me about your friends. Tell me about the people that surround you. And, and the vast majority have really no true community around them. And so they really are, they really are putting so much pressure on themselves and their partnership and their partner to be so much for them. So it just, it makes sense. And that's, that's the other piece to this is like when you do have an awareness and an understanding of the reality, you can surrender into what is. Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. So I know that this is um, maybe a broad question and you probably have many ways to respond to it, but I'll, I'll ask it and, and let's see what comes up for you, but just the, the typical communication challenges and general advice that you would give for people who are navigating them. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I wonder there's a piece of like people in marriages or in relationships in general, or people who are going to get in relationships. Like this is relevant to everyone. And then there's probably, I don't, well, I don't know. I won't say probably maybe there's 
additional pieces if they're considering opening or if they are open? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the the biggest question or the biggest concern or challenge with communication in the West is that we never know who's speaking. So, okay, so I walk in a room and there you are, Alexa. And I'm like, Alexa, I'm so mad at you. You you did this and that again. I'm just tired of you. You always doing it. Da, da, da. Okay, who's speaking? Who, who, do you think you talk? Do I think I'm telling the truth about Alexa when I come and assert my opinion? You know, people say, well, that's just your opinion. Well, who are you to say it's just my opinion? Well, they think it too. And, and now we're in this huge mangled mess because we are not identifying who's speaking in ancient cultures, especially in indigenous and African cultures, indigenous American and African cultures, they named who is speaking prior to speaking. And they also, the language infused who is speaking when they spoke. So because we don't know these languages, we only know English, I can walk up to you and assert my opinion and act like it's true. (laughs) instead of saying, you know what, Alexa, this is just my silly monkey mind speaking, or this is just my ego speaking, or this is just my stupid animal speaking. You know, (laughs) I come in and I think I'm God telling you something. (laughs) So that's, (laughs) that's the biggest problem I've seen in our language system. I don't think that um, nonviolent communication addresses it. And I do not believe that radical honesty addresses it. I believe up level addresses it because I had to, I, you know, my husband and I, it was just my word against his, maybe like other relationships, who's right and who's wrong, <laughs> you know, and we had to create a language that says no one's right. No one's wrong. Mm. This is just my uninformed, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. This is just that Yeah. because my higher self would never have any a higher self. Don't have any likes or dislikes. it's completely objective so if I think you disrespected me that's my ego if I think you uh uh, you ain't right you you didn't pay my money back you you whatever I think you're not having sex with me you're no longer attracted to me you don't care about you know all the stuff that we usually say it's not true (laughs) what's true is all is well nothing is wrong. (laughs) Everything is growing me. (laughs) And so we don't have that weaved into our language well enough. That's what up level does. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. (laughs) What I hear the most ringing in my head, you know, whether it's in my own relationship or in our community, we, we go, I don't know if this is a projection or not. You can tell me on what level this may or may not be true. And these are, you know, like like the soft talk kind of like, I'm trying to buffer and cushion what I'm going to (laughs) say. Because I understand that I'm bringing some of my shit to the table, but this sounds like, you know, more of a structure and more. So I, I would love to hear about it because I actually have this in my handful of questions that I've actually asked you that are on my list. Cause you know, I like the, the, the way that you share is so dynamic and, um, I've like barely even really looked at this little sheet of notes here, but the one that is on here is what is up-level communication and what's the framework for it? Now I know that, you know, we have roughly 10, 15 minutes left of time together, which I'm I'm kind of sad about. This is quite possibly the one recording I've done where I feel like it's gone by the fastest. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I record every Wednesday. That's my typical schedule that I have a couple to a few podcasts to record. Either I'm on shows or other people are on my show and I, you know, do recording. And I'm like looking at the time, like, how have we already been talking for 45 minutes? I'm like, I could just listen to you forever. Well, that's good because I have 25,000 course hours online. So you should listen to some. Great, great, what great. What we do, up-level is fun. Up-level is a framework oh, that every yeah. kindergartner can learn. A three-year-old could learn it. It's easy. It has four steps. All of our stuff is easy, like Dr. Seuss, because we know that it's, well, I'm a, I'm a formally trained early child psychology and teacher. So that was my major in at Howard University. So what we do with Uplevel is take people through four easy steps, vent, process, ownership, gratitude, right? And that is really a step ladder out of the animal, up through the ego and into the higher self. <laughs> so with our language, we utilize the language itself to express from all of those places, animal, ego, and higher self. And so when you go through those four steps, you will start out enraged or depressed or crying, whatever your animal is going through. No problem. We embrace that. Why? Because we have a floor. No shame, no blame. No victims, no villains. No cop-outs, no job. We, we know our floor. You have to agree on the floor in order to do this. Do you understand? So we have everyone agree on the floor. We have everyone agree on definition of ego, animal, and higher self. Then we take you through the steps and you learn a language that helps you hold space at each of those levels until you get to gratitude around any issue. Our clients no longer argue because arguing is outmoded. People think, well, arguments are just normal. No, they're not. There have been whole cultures where, for instance, rape, nobody heard of the word rape. Nobody heard of the word molestation. Nobody heard of these, we think, oh, this normal. Well, this is going to happen. Incest, that's going to happen. Murder, that's going to happen. No, this has only been 4% of human history where we have lived subject to this type of thing, which is great because it's growing us. And we love it because it's a video game and we're growing through it. I'm not coming down on Western culture. I'm saying that it's not all necessary. And we have outmoded a lot of it in our divorce-proof marriage system. So up-level is a component of that. It removes arguing. There's no more argument. There's no ever a need to argue because you can at any time express your animal and somebody can hold space, soothe you, take you through the seven soothings, take you up to processing through the three-way mirror and take you into ownership and gratitude. That you trade out every, no big deal. You trade out every, every argument. And while most, I think most people probably consider going through an argument and they can like track how arguments typically go you know like most people are like i know where this ends yes how rarely does it end with and i'm thankful for (laughs) right never never (laughs) not unless they're using up level but in that case it wasn't an argument (laughs) yeah 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 i don't know i think about i think about jordan and i and we we just have we are where we are in comparison to how long you've been in the work right so we've gone to however many um, workshops and experiences and online learnings and college and whatever, whatever is our background. And for him, biohacking and men's work and Tantra and all of that. And so it's so amazing to hear someone who's like, I've picked these things and tracked it and laid it out. And it's, it's, it, it is what it is. But I think about how we attempted this thing that you've just described so beautifully. <laughs> where, really? Have where, you attempted 
level. No, no, uh, not quite like that. But I like hear this process and, you know, and it ends with gratitude, but I just imagine us with like, we're still like pieces and parts of how we were raised, but we like are just crunchy trying not to make it happen. It's like fucking us up, but we won't let it happen. And then we like kind of get frustrated and argue for like a second. And then we, and then like from this place of like, like we're like gritting our teeth, we'll go, what are you grateful for? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Where I'm like, we need to talk. I'm like, come on, no, no. <laughs> well, because we can, re- we, you know, it's just, we're at this place now where we have a lot of awareness. We have, I am so familiar with his story and his upbringing and what's made him him. And I'm still committed to being perpetually curious about the things that I think that I know about him. And, and for me as well, I, he hears me speak about my story so much and he takes a vested interest in learning through my family and all of this. And like, we both encourage each other to go, you know, on the path of healing with the parents and the whole thing. And, and still it's just like, we, we have a lot of awareness around those things. So it's like, we can see it happening, but our creatures, like you're saying, our animals are like, trying to do this weird dance. It's like our mind and our heart is like, it's being allowed, you know, it's being taken for a ride and our body is like, and our claws are out. But like, we're like, no. And we try, like we're soothing, we're breathing, but this is, this is incredible. You know, what you just laid out. I'm like, oh, that's, I think what we're trying to do, but we have no idea that that's really what we're trying to do. It is an initiation. Yeah. And it is an easy, again, Dr. Seuss steps, but it's complete. There's no part of it that is nebulous. Like, well, oh, well, we're working on our parent stuff. No, you're using a three-way mirror. Then you're going to do your lacing. And then you're going to do, you understand? You're going to pull the trigger out. We're going to examine the trigger. You're going to remedy each trigger. It is succinct. And it is beautiful. It is art. It is a symphony. And I play the cello. So I know what a symphony is, baby. I read music. I, I, they used to be mad at me in school. You're not reading the music. You're just playing by ear. Yes, baby, because I can hear. And when I heard this from the universe and all of its component parts and built this, and my husband wrote it for me because he's so much better at writing than me. And, and the couples use it. I'm telling you, they use it with their children. Mm. They, 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 they clear up so much energy by using up level that they have more money, more time, more sex, more everything, because that component is gone. The, the addiction to drama yeah. is gone. Oh, <laughs> gotta like fan myself. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand yes. percent. And so many people, like you just said, they're, they addicted to the drama piece. I mean, I'm sure that there's so many people that are like, they don't even know who they are without it. And yeah. so um, even feeling, feeling peace in their body and peace going through their relationship and their love and their world and their life almost feels unsafe. So that's mm-hmm. a whole, that's like the next level, the next thing to, to tackle, to put as the yes. nucleus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I see it. I love it. Okay. I'm sold. I will, I will show up. I will do the thing. Um, so last piece, because it, what's been beautiful about this uh, conversation is that a lot of it has had to do with communication and awareness and uh, this marriage proofing concept. And yes. it's also had the elements of poly. And to me, that's one of the most challenging things that uh, a couple can 
put themselves through is the, is deciding to open a relationship. It is, it just, to me, it seems and feels so vulnerable to be willing to make choices and experiment and explore and know that this thing that I cherish so much, this might be its end, you know, because for a lot of people that this opening conversation is much easier than the, the, if I asked them, like, how did they handle grief or how did they handle having a new baby? Like, how did they handle all those things? But then we go into this conversation. It's just like, everything contracts. Yes. So um, I would love to more or less end our convo on for those people that are really curious about, you know, maybe leveraging some of these frameworks. Maybe they're going to dig into that and work on their floor, work on their foundation of their relationship. And then from that place, decide to go on a journey of exploration together. Um, what advice would you give them? What a life experience could maybe you loop in with that to encourage them on the, on the journey? Absolutely. Well, they, they have to have the strong floor. You understand without a floor, Polly doesn't go. When my clients come to me, oh, we already Polly. Oh, we're already open. I said, no, you not. We are going to rewind you all the way back to the beginning, back to your childhood because you are not ready for polyamory. And that's most all of my clients. And so even if they have partners, they're just not ready because that floor and that foundation is the number one thing. It's, it's going to be the number one thing in your other relationships too. You have to have something to teach if you're going to be poly. You have to have a community to bring somebody into. It, a community is based on principles. A community has, a, has tenets, has a manifesto. You understand, you're not even in a relationship with your partner if you don't have that. So, you know, when, when I, I rewind my clients all the time, um, I think you're asking, though, for me to share what exactly, because it, there's a, there's no go. This poly is not a thing without a yeah, community of tools, principles, practices, um, rituals, ceremonies that that's how it was accomplished in indigenous culture. And in, for instance, if you don't, don't believe me, read Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan. Yeah, I love Sex at Dawn. <laughs> I mean, we know there was cultures who did this, the Musu tribe in China, but the Musu tribe had a floor. They understood what is feminine, what is masculine, what is androgynous, what is, what is a relationship. I ask a lot of my clients when they first come to me, what's the purpose of a relationship? Oh, love, because we love each other. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh. The purpose of a relationship is growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. Nothing more, nothing less. You are attracted most to that which will grow you the most. You can have the perfect man, Alexa, who said, oh, this is everything I want. And oh, here he comes. But if he is not tr triggering you, you won't even be attracted to him. He have everything you want your, your, your guy to have. But nope, he's not triggering you. The purpose is growth. If you don't have a foundation, if you don't know the purpose of relationship, the purpose of sex, you understand a yeah, community yeah. of ideas, you're not ready for poly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the hard truth. That's the hard, hard truth. Because, I mean, so so many people are like, I, I think I want to try this out. Or, you <laughs> know what? I just want to try this out. Or, or, you know what? I have experience in some spiritual communities that I've breezed through, whether that be San Diego area or Boulder, Colorado area, or various spots. Even Austin is, it's starting to become this kind of hub where I meet these people that seem kind of almost airy-fairy, non-committal poly. 
and they, yeah. they call themselves this identifying thing. And they yeah. really, truly like, I mean, of course it's part of my ego that wants to just shake them a little bit and be like, this is, this is not right, <laughs> you know, but then that, that also implies that I know what is right though. Right. I, I, and everyone is different. I want to honor all the unique experiences yeah. of life and all that. And point it out that if you can't look at the relationship that you have with yourself and with your history and how you have become this human that you have become and the relationship you have with even one other person, and then you want to possibly add multiple people into this mix. Like I love the, the phrasing that you use rewind. Yes. Like you were getting ahead of ourselves, like really, truly getting ahead of ourselves. And I think so many people get this glamorized perspective of like, Oh, I think I want to try non-traditional consensual non-monogamy, but they don't really realize that especially if they're just towing, like testing the waters, possibly there's so much work that they can do ahead of time to really set themselves up for success. And, and yeah, so that they can really get the most out of the, this beautiful opportunity and experience. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Those people are perfection. Those who are setting it up, doing whatever they want, everything like the whole world is perfection. Great. I'm just sharing that in order for me to be sustainably poly I had to do these things I had to have a setup and right. so did my couples to be divorce proof yeah and the word sustainably yes sustainably and I'm like this <laughs> one, yeah. this wandering poly person that's like well I sleep with this person and I date without attachment this person and you know it's impossible for this person to be everything that I desire so I now also sleep with this person and I'm just well, this is and everybody mad all those ladies mad <laughs> yeah Yep. I've seen it. Yes. Same. And so this is the, um, uncomfortable truth I would say for, for going into this world and doing it effectively, depending, I mean, you get to determine what effective means, but sustainably for sure. And yeah, I love that. Thank you, Kenya. Thank you so much. There was, you know, I feel like we just barely scratched the surface, which is the truth. So I will encourage all of the people that are listening that there were so many concepts and things that if I had the time would double click on and, Mm -hmm. you know, with you here, of course, in person, though, I do have the opportunity to, in reality, double click it (laughs) if I want to virtually. So, you know, you have so many, what I've, what I've just in the little that I've seen online in y'all's presence, you give so freely to your online community. And you also have opportunities for people to jump right on in. So I would love to just take maybe 60 seconds or so for you to explain how people can get more of this. Sure. Well, first follow me at Progressive Love Academy on Instagram. And I also have Uplevel on Instagram, Uplevel Communication. Then go over to uplevel.com. Use our links from Instagram. You can get anywhere, navigate there. And uh, you can coach with me one-on-one. You know, Progressive Love Academy on Instagram, and of course, Up Level Communication on Instagram. Mm. Do y'all ever do in person things? Oh yes, I I love doing in person. My favorite thing. Yeah. So we do events every year. We do events being called to cities. I just did South by Southwest up there in your city, and um, yes, any any anyone who calls me to do an event, I'm there. okay so i'm gonna make sure that i get on the email lists so that i can get that information because i would love 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 to get jordan 
to one of these experiences. I think that he would be so impressed and entertained and, you know, just the energy that you exude. It's like, okay, this is real shit, but you bring a levity and a reality to it that just feels good. Even if the topic's not that good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Make it light. It's so good. Thank you so much for having me on. This has really been good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. So much love and appreciation back to you. Thank you for doing the work that you do in the world. It is helping so many people. And thank you, of course, for sharing your magic with that sex chick. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.